0: We're starting a new series today called Power in Prayer. How many of you know, this is a, a shocking, deep theological revelation that prayer is good? Yeah. Now that just knocked yourself, you're like, oh, I have never heard that before, I cannot, be, this is going to be such a deep, uh, amazing, uh, just revelation is going to come from this series. Well, probably not. I hate to disappoint you. The very thing that you and I know is is good for us and know that has the power to, to help us live the way that we've been called to live. The very thing that allows us to tap into heaven and operate in a supernatural way is the very same thing that we don't do very much. Can I get a witness? It's just true. So I'm not here to teach you some deep revelation about prayer. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit and and share with you that I think actually prayer is more caught than taught. You get around people who pray and who seek the face of the Lord and it rubs off on you. I'm not here to try to just teach you just um, about prayer, although in the next two weeks, right, next week... Uh, We're going to look at how to pray. We are going to look at some some practical ways. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and 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 really dive into that. And then we're going to look at different types of prayer the week after that. How many of you know there's different types of prayer? You pray differently when you're praying over your food than when you're breaking a stronghold off of a neighborhood or when you're interceding on behalf of somebody. You see, the prayer of intercession, just so you know that, is, is we're going out on Friday nights and we're saying, we're looking, where is the kingdom of God not? And then when we see a place where it's not, we declare it to be. Yeah. Whose life do I come across that, that the kingdom of God is void and we declare it to be in their life? That's the prayer of intercession. We're declaring God's kingdom. He said to pray that way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in heaven. So we're going to talk about that in the, in the weeks to come. And I think it's going to help you. But today we're really going to look at the purpose and the power of prayer. And we're going to really dive in because my prayer today, and I want to pray with you right now, but my prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit just begins to stir you, to stir your heart. You know, you need to pray. I know I need to pray. We don't need to be told that again, and I don't need to stand up here and talk about all the, the men and women of God from past revivals. who all, It all started from prayer. Most of you know that. Now, I'm not trying to make you walk out of here and feel condemned or guilty, but I want to stir your heart today to seek the face of God in the, in the prayer closet, to begin to know that there's power in prayer. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me right now towards that end? Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for every single person in this room. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would begin to till the hard soil of religion, till the hard soil of of just feeling not good enough to pray, till the hard soil of false doctrine, false knowledge about who you are and what you expect. God, you are not an angry Guy in the sky holding lightning bolts demanding us to recite tired prayers to you. But you desire an intimate, ongoing, communicating, fellowship, communion with your people. And to fill us with power through this communication. And so stir our hearts, mine included, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Um, you know, here's what I want for us. I'm a, today, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. Um, and we're just I have two things that I felt really strong that God gave me for you and for me. And just so you know, um, it's rare that I can preach a subject that God does not make me walk through. In other words, I never want to be that guy who stands up and preaches things that I'm not living out. Let me just tell you that right now. And if the Lord will lead me to a subject before I ever stand up here, he checks my heart on that subject. And that doesn't mean that I have to be perfect before I stand up here because if that was the case, I wouldn't preach ever, ever. I'm on this journey with you. This is just the calling that God has given to me. But I don't ever want to be the hypocrite or the guy who pretends to have it all together and pretends that I wake up and pray six hours every day and just walk in the power of the Spirit every moment of every day. Because it's just not true. But God did prick my heart this week and begin to ask me certain questions for me and that I believe is, is for you individually and then also for this church. So here's what I want. Just a couple of things that I felt like God gave me for this series. I want us to be more intentional about prayer in our prayer life because, hear me, the vision of your life and this church depends on it. We, we must be more intentional about our prayer life, about your personal prayer life, my personal prayer life, and the prayer life of this church because the vision and calling of this house depends on it. I want us to make prayer our first response and not our last resort as individuals and as a church. You see, we have to understand that what God does corporately, he first does individually. In other words, revival in a church is not some manufactured thing that falls out of the sky that we get to participate in. Revival in a church starts with revival in you. You see, that's a buzzword. We talk about, see, every time I'm praying for revival, I've heard it said before, draw a circle, get in the circle, and say, Lord, let revival start inside of this circle. It's got to start in me. And then what happens is, is it begins to spread. And what God's doing in my life begins to spread into your life and into her life and into his life. And then together, the sound of the supernatural, the sounds of the kingdom of God begin to be heard, and God's spirit is released. That's really what revival is. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's the kingdom of heaven coming into this place and ultimately in our city and beyond that. So I want prayer to be our first response, not our last resort. And I want us also to understand, and you already know this, that every devil in hell is going to come against your prayer life. I have been married... um, Almost, well, 14 years, almost 15 years. This next year will be 15 years of marriage. And as someone standing up here in full-time ministry called to be a pastor, I can tell you that there are times when I feel resistance to even pray with my own wife. I feel resistance. I feel, I feel this, this this thing that rises up in me that says, oh, but, but what if it's awkward? Or what if, no, they're busy? Or, ah, oh, we won't do that right now. Or, oh, no, let's just not do that right now. And I feel, physically feel, the resistance of the enemy against my prayer life. More so in my marriage. Because he knows there's power there. And so, through this series, what we need to do is understand. See, this week, as, as, as you begin to to think about this topic, you're going to face resistance. You see, when we talk about revivals, and I could see, I love studying revivals, and we could we could look back at all the great revivals that started, and we could see uh, that it began in prayer. You can see Azusa Street. You can see the great first Great Awakening, the second. You can talk about the revival from New York City that that there was a man who just basically on his lunch break he decided I'm going to shut my business down and pray for one hour, and one person doing that be, turned into thousands and thousands, and before long tens of thousands of people be all across New York began to shut their businesses down and pray and revival broke out and people got saved and set free and healed. But you know what? It didn't start with one person who was a, who was a very gifted, uh, anointed, amazing, you know, just the star of the show. No, 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 no. This was just somebody who said, I wanna see the kingdom of God come and I'm willing to fight for it and just simply pray. You see, I've heard it said that people who make a difference, they do consistently what we do occasionally. It's not that they're doing something so amazing. They're just doing the things that we only do every now and then consistently. And so what I want us to do is to learn how to have a consistent communication with God. What is prayer? What does it look like? Well, it can be different. Paul says pray without ceasing. I heard this week somebody say that prayer is paying attention to God. Whoa, you know, when you talk about that, that, that it's paying attention to God, it's less about you, you know, rolling through a list of things you want God to do for you. And it's more about actually listening. God, what are you, I'm just here for you right now. I'm here in your presence right now and I'm listening to your voice. And, and how many of you know for us as a distracted generation, that is difficult. I was talking to a group of people recently, and I said, I feel like God wants us from, from, from now, uh, just for the next little while. Every time you go before the Lord in prayer, the first five minutes of your prayer time has to be in total silence. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had people come into me afterwards saying, that is the hardest thing in the world for you to ever ask me to do. Why? Because culture, tra- we are distracted. You, you, you think it's just, it's the person next to you. No, it's you. Yes, you with your cell phone in your pocket or in your purse. And every time you're at a stoplight, what do you do? Well, I got a free moment, beep, cell phone, right? No matter what, no matter what it is, I mean, first thing you do when you wake up, Whoop. Well, well, I got to do something. I can't just sit here and pray. I got to get on my cell phone. I got to look for this. I got to social media. I got to, and we're just constantly distracted, constantly busy. We don't know what it means to sit still. We're like four-year-olds, <laughs> And I have one. I'm just as guilty. It just comes natural. We are, we're, we're, being, we're being molded by society in that sense. To just be very distracted. Very always busy. And yet God is calling us to solitude. God is calling us to the secret place. But we've got to say yes. Because it's not going to happen on accident. You're... <laughs> You having an amazing prayer life will not happen on accident. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, man, I don't know what happened, but my prayer life is on point. (laughs) Amazing. It doesn't happen. We have to be intentional. Intentional, setting aside time. We set aside time for what we value. We make time for what we value. All right, what is prayer? Let's dive in a little bit today, get into some scripture. What is prayer? Very simply, it's just communicating with God. But I want to I highlight the fact that what separates Christianity from other religions is that Christianity is, is, is truly communication. When we talk about prayer, it's true communication. In other words, um, it's not just about talking to God, but it's also about listening to God. I mean, you, you know, you talk about Allah. Well, Allah doesn't say anything to anybody. They just pray to him. The last time they think he spoke was to Muhammad a long, 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 long time ago, and he would not dare speak to us. Of course, Buddha ain't, just ain't even alive. I mean, you just praying to something that ain't even, you know, it's just so, so. But Christians, we hold to the belief that the creator God, we can communicate to him, meaning we speak and he hears us, and then he speaks and we can hear him. Crazy thought, isn't it? Very simple, yet it's it's something we need to understand. Psalms 18.6. I want you to see this. Put it up behind me. It says this. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Listen, some of the most simple revelations are the most impactful revelations. I remember very clearly years ago uh, in in Belize and in our prayer room, and I had somebody come up to me and said, Stephen, God very specifically spoke to me for you. you. You are praying in the hopes that what you're praying even makes it to God, and he wants you to know he's hearing you right now. You have his undivided attention, and that revelation just hit me. Like, wait a minute, I'm not just throwing stuff up in the atmosphere hoping that maybe one of them reaches the desk of God. Like, he's great enough to give me his undivided attention? Blows my mind. Yet, not only does he hear, but he speaks. John chapter 10 and verse 3 says, The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. He calls. He calls them by name and leads them out. He leads them, by the way, with his voice. When he has brought them out, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his. They know his voice. I want to share with you just for a few moments my personal journey as it relates to prayer because it's an interesting one and probably not too uncommon from some of yours. As somebody who didn't get saved until I was about 20 years old and who was involved in just a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been doing, theft and and, and, and just drugs and, and just a lot of bad stuff. But growing up as a pastor's kid, I still knew there was a God. I just wasn't ready to surrender my life to him. And knowing and reverencing a creator God would cause me to pray many times. But prayer to me was a bailout. Let me explain. Lord, I need you right now. Oh, I need you right now. I remember very specifically, even on my way to do something that I had premeditated knowing it was a terrible thing to do. And on my way to to do that, I would say, Lord, I mean, I know this is terrible, but. If you could just watch over me tonight when I go steal this thing or just keep me safe. How terrible is that? It, prayer was a bailout. How many of you have been, been, been praying, you know, before you take a test? Come on, where are my teenagers at? Well, Lord, I know I didn't study for this test, but, you know, if somehow you could drop me a nugget, I'll go to church Sunday. We'll bargain with God. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you give me, you, let me, uh, I'm just asking for a B minus, and I'll, I'll, all month I'm going to go to church. Sit on the front row, too. <laughs> Sit on the front row. Come on, some of y'all on the front row right here to my, oh, yep, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> holding, holding your end of the bargain. But for me, I got saved. God transformed my life, and I moved to New Orleans, and I started going to a, to a church. My progression, some of you have heard this before, my progression in churches was Baptists. I just thought if you weren't Baptist, you weren't saved. So I naturally went to a Baptist church. Baptist, and then I got into a vineyard church, a little bit more expressive, like, whoa, what are they doing with their hands? This is weird. And then ultimately met a guy who, was very, who became a very close, my best friend and roommate, who invited me to a Pentecostal church. It's where I met my wife. Can I just tell you, Pentecostals pray different than Baptists pray. (laughs) Have you ever been to a Pentecostal prayer meeting? Let me just put it that way. I remember very specifically going to this church and already being a little freaked out, like, whoa, this is weird, but there's something here, though, like... Like, there, the Spirit of God is here, and there's a, there's a passion here that I don't see where I just came from, so I'm like, I'm going to give it another shot, and I kept going. It's like I couldn't say no. I kept going to the crazy church. <laughs> and they said, hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting on Sunday night. We'd like you to come. And I remember very specifically the first time I walked, and I just stood in the back in amazement for an hour. And I just stood there and watched and just thought, what is happening right now? I remember very specifically, this lady had the mic, and I'm talking about she was praying like I had never heard it. She was sweating. I mean, she was going out. She was declaring and binding and, and, and just all kinds of she was She was praying in tongues. She was shouting in tongues, and she was just binding every demon in New Orleans. I thought, my goodness, where are we right now? But I kept going back to that prayer meeting because something was being stirred in me I was, I was learning to pray outside of the classroom, if you will. I was learning to pray and have my spirit stirred just by being around people whose spirit was stirred. Not long after that, I go to Dallas, Texas to be up, go to Bible college. And I remember, uh, you know meeting what would become my best friend, Jervis, who's a missionary now in Belize, and and he he would go early, and I remember just saying, hey, I want to join you tomorrow for prayer, and I said, what time do I need to be here? He said, I'm 6 a.m., and I was like, oh, dear Lord. (laughs) Like, did you you say a.m.? Because I thought maybe you had said p.m., but... 6 a.m., and he said, actually, matter of fact, I think tomorrow I'm going to make it 5.30, and I remember just saying, okay, I'll be here, and that accountability made me go, and I remember I started, and, and I began to pray. I didn't even know really how to pray, but I just listened to Jervis pray, and then I'd, I'd kind of pray, and I'd be kind of led, and we'd pray together, and before long, day after day after day, going before the Lord for hours, there would be moments where God would speak something to us very specifically. I, I have to tell you this, because it was amazing. One time, we, we we just had an urge to pray for a country, the country of Kenya. And we said, I don't know what it is, but we got to, something's happening in Kenya right now. And, and in, in the prayer room, we just began to pray. And 8 o'clock came, which is when chapel time would start, and they would do worship. And, and, and so we literally walk out of chapel, and uh, out of the prayer room, and into chapel. And, and the, the worship pastor stood up on the stage, and he said, you know what? There's some things with some of our missionaries right now that are in Kenya, and we need to take a time right now and pray for that country, because there's unease right now we need to pray for the christians who are in kenya right now and i about fell on the floor and i was like are they listening to the same god that i'm hearing because that was the same i looked at jervis and i was like this is legit (laughs) like blown away it's almost like we have the same holy (laughs) Spirit, and the holy spirit can speak to you and can speak to me. And you know how many times I've had people come up to me and say, after a sermon and say, you know what, I can't believe, did somebody tell you what I'm going through? Is that why you preach that? I'm like, you think I would create a whole sermon just to call you out? I love you, but not that much. No, 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 no. How about maybe? I go before the Lord and say, God, I need a word for this church because you know where they're at. I don't. I need a word for this church. I need a right now word. I need you to speak to me. And then I begin to listen and I go in my office and I begin to pray and I begin to worship and I begin to listen to the Lord and he, he leads me to a place or he leads me to a scripture and then I stand up and give it to you and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going through that. What is happening? I'll tell you what's happening. We're tuning into heaven together. Because God wants you to grow. He wants you to rise up above. And he wants to speak directly to where you're at. Not just some word that I I came up with online. And we need to hear God. We need to hear God. So I left CF, and I went to Belize. And and, uh, that leads me to where I am now. And I just want to be honest with you for a few minutes. Because I wish I could stand up here and tell you that my prayer life is perfect. But it's not. And I'll tell you what I struggle with the most. I struggle with busyness. I struggle with feeling like I'm too busy. I have too many things going on. There's times where I will, I will literally wake up and I'll, I'll do what I gotta do and I'll get here to church and then I'm, I'm feeling the pressure of the day because there's too much to do and I'm, I'm thinking about staff meetings and sermon preparation and counseling and kids' school functions and church events and the list goes on and on and on and as a matter of fact, it never gets shorter and I just feel like, well, I just took care of three off my list but somehow it grew by five. I can't seem to get ahead of the things that happen in the day. And I just feel like I've got to just go right to the desk and get things done. And not long ago, I walked in my office. And see, I have my desk there and I, that's where I get stuff done. I'm like, I got to get, start getting stuff done. I took a step towards my desk and the Holy Spirit checked me. and He said, you stop right here. I didn't hear it audibly, but you know what I'm talking about. You just feel that impression from the Lord. And he said, don't you dare sit down at that desk. And he said, as a matter of fact, I don't give you permission to ever go to your desk first. And I was like, wow, what are you, what are you trying to say, Lord? I sat down in front of my desk and I just began to pray. And it just clicked God said, you're first, uh, you are not too busy to pray. You are too busy not to pray. You are too busy not to pray, Stephen. And you know what I realized? I realized that I can get one thought or one revelation from God in five minutes of prayer that will save me five hours of work at my desk five hours of work at my desk it can be a thought it can be it can be a direction and I'll sit behind my desk and I'm pulling out commentaries and I'm studying the Greek and I'm looking at all these things and then five hours has gone by and I'm like I got nothing he's like yeah you got nothing I got something do not you ask me and I can go before the Lord and in three minutes God drops something in my spirit and I'm like whoop should have done that a long time ago We have to learn to make prayer our first response and not our last resort. We have to learn to pray first. You have to learn, don't go to your desk first. You are not too busy to pray. You are too busy not to pray. Who's with me today? Who's with me today? I want to look for just a few moments at the life of Jesus. I want to pull up some verses and I want to show you because I, I, I believe that Jesus modeled for us what prayer should look like. And some of you could say, well, yeah, but Jesus was God. Well, hang on a minute. I want you to you know think about in Philippians 2 where it says, though he didn't cease to be God, he, he it's as if he put his, his deity uh, to the side and did not tap into it the way that he could have. And he chose to become a servant and live life as a human totally dependent on the holy spirit. He didn't cease to be God. It just means that he operated as a human. In in his humility, he made him the Bible says he made himself become a servant, which means when he lived on the earth, he was 100% dependent upon the holy spirit. Dependent upon upon God upon his father. The Bible says that he could have called 10,000 angels to be at his side and done whatever he wanted, but he chose not to. He chose to, to show us that we can live a life of prayer and we can live a life in the supernatural. How many of you believe that, though? That was a kind of a tired yes. I was like, yes, I think. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 Let's look at Jesus' life for a few, a few minutes. It says this, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Interesting that, that Mark chose to include that he was in a desolate place. Because, and I know for me, many times if I you know, get up late or whatever, see, my thing is i got to pray in the morning. I, I, I like to pray in the morning. But, but if I don't get to my prayer time in the morning, I just think, well, I'm just going to pray in the car. Let me tell you something. If that's all you ever do, it's not enough. If all you ever do is just pray while you're washing dishes, it's not enough. Now, you should do that, and we should constantly be in communication with God. But Jesus, what we're going to see is he's teaching us and he is modeling for us there's something about going to a distractionless place and seeking the face of the Lord. You might have to fight for that place. Single moms or mothers that have a lot of kids, listen, I'm going to pray for you because it's not easy for you, but it's worth fighting for. It's worth going. You know how many times my wife has come to me and said, I just need you to watch the kids for a while. I need to get alone with Jesus. And you know what? For my sake, I say, take your time. <laughs> we need to have time with Jesus. I have the same things. I, I'll, I'll come home and I'm I'm just uh, stressed and all this stuff. She's, you know, you, you spend time in prayer today, babe. <clears throat> I need to. We are our best when we are praying, amen? Luke 5.16 says, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. There we see it again, desolate places. And I want to show you something at the baptism of Jesus that I've never seen before. And I've read this verse a lot of times. God can do that, by the way. So just because you know the verse, don't skip it. Sometimes you need to read it again. Luke 3.21 says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also was baptized... And was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. So, as Jesus was praying, the heavens were opened. In other words, as prayers went up, the kingdom of God came down. As prayers went up heaven began to come down and it actually prepared him for what he was about to do let me show you this in revelation revelation chapter 8 and verse 3 this is an amazing couple of verses to 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 show you this this model of what happens when we pray verse 3 in revelation 8 says that another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints On the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God and from the hand of the angel. The prayers are going up before God. And look at verse 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. What just happened? there are John is getting a picture of heaven he is he is given a vision of heaven and there literally were the prayers of the saints which is you and me and they were rising up before God and an angel of the Lord took the prayers and he took a coal from heaven he took he took fire from heaven the supernatural and he mixed it in with those prayers and then he dumped it back down on the earth Ooh. <laughs> Our prayers have power. Why do you think you struggle to pray? Because the devil doesn't want you to pray. Why are we going to together learn how to pray and types of prayer? Because we're going to stir up the supernatural. Because we're asking God to do the supernatural. And we we tap in and, and we communicate with God in the supernatural through prayer. He designed it that way. Prayer activates the supernatural. Let me say this before we move on. There are some promises and there are some supernatural seeds that will not come about unless you pray. Uh Uh-oh. There are some things that God has promised to you and willed for you that will not happen on their own. Let me... Explain. There are two wills, most theologians would say, there are, there are two, some say three, two wills of God. There is a sovereign will of God, meaning there are some things that God has willed that no matter what you or I do, they're just going to happen. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, Jesus was slain. That was an event that was before you or I were ever here or could have never changed it. His sovereign will is going to be accomplished. But there is what's called a moral will, or basically what it means is there is a will of, of, of decree or desire. God has a, a, he desires things for us and has promised things, but that doesn't mean that they happen. The Bible says that he wills that all will be saved. Well, are all saved? No. There are, there are some promises of God that are conditional, and I get in trouble when I say that, but it's just Bible. See, you <laughs> hang with me. We like to pray, all things work together for good. Yes, I receive that. All things are gonna work together for my good, but that's not for everyone. There's a clause in there. Did you know that? It says, for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. All things don't work together for everybody's good, do they? Are you awake today? Prayer activates the supernatural. There are some promises that we need to begin to declare over our family, over our lives, over this city. We declare, we decree, we pray the promises and the word of God and God responds. He, he takes those prayers and he mixes them with a coal from heaven and pours them back in and the supernatural falls all over the earth. Come on now, we need to get stirred to pray. Two two truths, two truths that I want to talk to you about today and, and, and kind of continuing on with this theme. As I looked at and studied this week the life of Jesus and the model that he left for us, and then really began to pray and say, God, you know, today I really want to stir us to pray. Would you give me a fresh word for my life and for this church? And I I felt very strongly two things that he wants for you and for me before we go today. You ready for number one? Number one is this. You and me together must elevate our prayer life to match our calling. In other words, is your, the, the, the intensity of your prayer life at the intensity of your calling? Jesus was constantly found praying. As a matter of fact, I don't think he did anything without praying first. Why? Because of the call that he had on his life. In the short time he was here on this earth, he said, I've got some things that God the Father wants me to do and I can't take a step without depending on the presence and the Holy Spirit from my Father. He said, I don't, I don't say anything unless I first hear it from my Father. I don't do anything unless I see it from my Father. He was totally dependent upon his Father because of the call that was on his life. And I begin to think about that, and, and I, I begin to look at, at my own life, and I begin to say, God, you know, you've called me, and you've called this church, and if if our prayer life is down here, but our call is up here, it's going to crush us. We're going to be in. A, we're we're not going to be effective. Hebrews chapter five. I just want to show you what happened when Jesus prayed, and what's going to begin to happen as we begin to pray. Hebrews five, verse seven. And eight says this, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. But what happened? So he prayed. Then it says, with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save from death and was heard. So he prayed, and then he was heard. Because of his reverence, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, those next two words, I stopped in my track when I I read them. Being made perfect, he became. He became. What is that saying to us? Jesus prayed, Jesus was heard, and then Jesus became. Why? Because we become what we behold. We become what we behold, and if we behold the world constantly, we will become just like the world. But if we behold the face and the presence of God, we will become like God, which is what we have been called to do. We can't look like someone or sound like someone we don't ever spend time with. We behold what we become. Recently, why in talking about the calling and the prayer life? I, I had again. This is God just checking me. We, we meet on, on Tuesday mornings. We have people, leaders in the church and staff that meet here every Tuesday morning. And, and mainly it's for planning. And we've got a whiteboard up. And we're, we're looking at the calendar. And we're planning events. All of these events that we're doing, they take time. They take effort and planning. But we gather together. But what God said to me recently, he said, Stephen, I want you to get your team together. And I want you to meet right down at this altar. And so this, even this past week, what we did is we met here. And we prayed for each other. And I I gave each person, I said, the person on your right, I want you to begin to pray for them and walk and pray for about 10 minutes and ask God to give you a word for that person. You know what we did? For about 10 minutes, we prayed. And when we came back, it was amazing to hear the words that God had spoken for each of us. prophetic words that were coming out. And, and, And people would say, man, I just felt so strongly as I was praying for your ministry and for you that God wants to do this, and God wants to remind you of this, and God says this about you, and tears would just flow. Tears would just flow. How dare we come together week after week and merely stare at a whiteboard without going before the face of God? Our calling, our prayer life needs to match our calling. Just one example, I looked at our kids director, Marissa, and I just began to speak life into her. Why? Because where we are now, we sometimes, you know, in one service, she'll have 40 kids over there. 40. And I began to encourage her and say, I believe God wants wants revival in those young kids. I believe I just had this vision of kids just weeping and crying in the presence of the Lord and learning how to worship even at an early age. And Marissa just sat there and cried. Because the call, the call is, so, is up here on us, on you and on me and on this church, and so our prayer life must be also. Recently our worship team came together. My wife said, you know what, I just really feel like we're not supposed to practice tonight. And they sat over there around the table and they begin to encourage one another, and they begin to pray for one another, and they begin to prophesy for one another, and God began to speak. And there was unity that took place, and they ate a meal together. And for, for hours, they just, they just encouraged each other. And I'm here to tell you something, that we, in, in the nine years that we've been here, there has never been more unity on our worship team than there is right now. Because if all we do is come here and try to get all the notes perfect and, and, and all of the things right and all of the, everything perfect and all the lights and every, all if that's all we do, we are missing the point. Can I just be honest? You can go to a lot of places and see a good show. You don't have to come here to hear good singing but we want there to be something else here. (laughs) Come on, we want you to see and hear the great talent and the gift, which all of our, uh, so gifted, but then be taken above the gift and the talent, one more level, and be raised up and be caught up in praise to your creator God. They, they, These people right here are simply a means to an end, and I love them. I don't mean that in a degrading way. They are simply here to pour out the gifts that they've been given so that you can enter into the presence of the Lord. That's why they're here, but that doesn't happen on accident. You hear me today? The unity, the presence of the Lord, what you feel when you walk in this door does not happen on accident. It doesn't, and it's not going to happen in your life. Come on, it just happens when we say we realize we need, just like Jesus, to be totally dependent on the presence of God. We're not here to play church. We're just not We're not here to play church. We're not here to go through all of the church growth models, which my fear today is that many churches have replaced spiritual disciplines like prayer with church growth models and methods. While those things are helpful, they should never direct us. Are you hearing me today? You just need to know that your leadership's just got a little bit of crazy in us. We're... We, we, we believe that God has called us here for a kingdom purpose. God has called you here for a kingdom purpose and that leads me to the next point I want we've talked I I looked at our staff and our worship team the life of Jesus but I want to talk about your life because many of you are sitting here right now and you're saying oh you're talking about elevate my prayer life to match my calling well I don't have a great calling and my question for you is who told you that who have you been listening to did God tell you that did God tell you that he's called you to sit on the sidelines? Did God tell you that he's just called you to come here for an hour once a week and then do your thing and then enjoy retirement one day? And is that, Did you get that from here? You see, you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. You're here to be a part of a move of God. So I'm asking you with me, Let's elevate our prayer life to match our calling. Can we do that together? Because, you, you, see, you see, I began to really learn who I was in the prayer room. I got to Bible college, Dallas, Texas. Man, I was, I was man. Served four years in the Coast Guard. Went to Bible college because I felt the call of God into the ministry, but had no clue what that looked like. Some of you have heard my testimony, man. I was like the shy guy who was not trying to speak in a small group even. Just, you know, you like, we're going to go around the room. When it got to me, I'm like, next. Next. I'm good. Everything's fine with me. Not a, not a worship leader, none of that, but I just felt the call. I just felt, I felt the call. I didn't know what that looked like. Went to Bible college. Felt like maybe my calling was down here, but I'd come to the point where I said, I don't really care. It's not about measuring. It's about obedience. It's about saying yes to Jesus. And so I was just in this place of learning his voice and learning to pursue him and, and cry out to him and intercede for those around me. And and pray and seek God's face, and then get up and do it again, and pray and pray some more. And I just began to be attracted to to people who had a, a strong prayer life. And at the school I went to, which is an international school, uh, pretty much all of the people who had the best prayer lives were international students. Most of them from Africa. There was some group of people from Kenya, and there was some other people just you know all throughout Africa. And I'm telling you what, you want to hear some people who know how to pray? 2 a.m. I would wake up from my apartment because just, you just hear this rumbling from the apartment across from us. And I would open the door and there would be people screaming out to God, weeping in the living room of their house at two in the morning. I'm here to tell you today that prayer is more caught than taught. And it was in those moments that I would just, just get around those kind of people. And I'd begin to just sit in that prayer room and I just begin to pray. And it was in those moments that I felt the true call of God inside of me rise up. I felt God say, I've got great things for you, Stephen. You have no idea what I want to do through you. And in the moment I'm like, I don't have an idea but I just want to be with you. And I was developed and cultivating that in my own life. And that's, that's where you're going to break off that, 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 that feeling of, of low self-worth. Well, that's just not for me. Who says that to you? God doesn't say that to you. God says, I've destined you. I've purposed you. I've called you. I died for you. I have filled you with my spirit. I've gifted you. I've designed you. I've wired you with certain giftings, certain ways about you because I have a great plan and purpose for your life. That's what God says about you. We gotta elevate our prayer life to match our calling. Come on, somebody. Lastly, before we land this plane, here's my last point. We must elevate our prayers to match God's ability. I'm going to just run through this. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Far more. He can do far more than we could even ask or think. That's who we're praying to. We're praying to the one who spoke and galaxies just came into existence. Come on. The guy who spoke and knows you, designed you, calls you by name, You to hear this prayer can do anything that God can do. You think about that for a second. Prayer can do anything that God can do, and I'm here to tell you that for me, I have felt God say, No more pretty please prayers. I might step on some toes right here, but I'll explain. No more, well, God, you know, if, it, if it's your will, then go ahead and do this or that. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. If I get really sick and I'm in the hospital, don't come to my hospital room with those kinds of prayers. Well, Lord, you know, pretty please, if it, you know, maybe if it's your will, if you just think about it one time, if it's your, maybe if you want to hit, you no, know, no, no, get that out of here in Jesus' name. I want some people with faith who say in Jesus' name, in G by the stripes, by his stripes you are healed. I declare that over you right now in faith. Come on. No more pretty, please. Oh, you say, Oh, but Jesus said that. No, he didn't. Jesus didn't say, Well, if it's your will, God. No, no, no. Read it again. Jesus was praying earnestly. Drops of blood coming out. He was so just in this place of intercession. And he said, would you take this cup from me? Nevertheless, it's not your will. So your will be done, God. He wasn't saying, well, if it's. No, no, no. He knew God's will. He was just crying out, and in his humanity said, this is going to be difficult. Please take this cup from me, but I know it's not your will, so so be glorified through what I'm about to do, God. Come on. You see, if we know God's will, we can pray God's will. You're praying for a loved one, like, well, pretty please, God, if you would just save him and work in his life and just be with him today what does that even mean No, no no you you start saying something like this God I you in the Bible you you found a man named Saul and he was persecuting you and he was threatening and killing Christians but you showed up to him in grace and you saved him and you changed his name and now I'm asking you to do that for my husband and do that for my wife do that for my son do that for my daughter no no pretty please no no pretty please No, you get a hold of some promises in the scripture, and then you begin to declare those and watch him bring those promises into fruition in your life. You declare those promises. God, you said in your word, and then you declare it. You said in your word that you will, that none should perish. So save my son, save my daughter in Jesus' name. I don't know more, Lord, well, you know, uh uh-uh. Let's just get that off the plate. We need to pray with authority. God's given us authority. Come on, stand with me right now. Eyes closed and heads bowed right now. We're going to just pray. And I'm going to ask that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to begin to ask God to awaken the intercessor inside of you. I want you to begin to ask God to stir your heart to make prayer your first response, not your last resort. Come on, even just begin to pray right now. Just begin to pray right now. And I just want you to just begin to go before the Lord. God, make this real in my life. God, I need your grace. And some of you right now, if you feel that urge, I want you all over this altar, just come down here and make this commitment before the Lord right now. You say, man, enough is enough. I want to be stirred in my prayer life. I need some change to happen. Come on, just come on down. And I want to pray over you right now. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Father, stir my heart. God, I want you to do something in me that is beyond me. God, I'm asking right now that you would shake off the complacency that I've been walking in. I'm tired of busyness and and, and putting things ahead of you and before you. I know that time is of the essence, and we've got to be interceding for the neighborhoods around us and for the city that you've placed us in and for our family members, God. Stir my heart with compassion, Lord God. Stir my heart to pray and and not accept stress and busyness. An anxiety that wants to creep in and tell us we're too busy to pray. No, we, we say no to that right now in Jesus' name. We say no to busyness right now. We are, we are, we are too busy not to pray. So God, would you do it all over this place right now?